0: level Podcast with your hosts,
1: Stan Drayev and Nick Braccia.
0: Welcome to the MMA Geeks Sea level Podcast. This is your host, Stan Dariyev, my co-host, the Glover Teixeira. To my Jan Blahovich, Nick Braccia, how are you, my friend?
1: I'm doing all right since I'm on this crazy two-week streak where <laughs> I'm up a half a point. It's now been across half of you know a good portion of october and leading into november when you're trailing you're trailing me in this this sample size so i hope to continue that after you know virtually outpicking you last week
0: nick did you uh did you have a really hard time in math when you were going to school
1: i don't yes actually yeah i did I'm,
0: i'm just curious Totally, totally unrelated. Got it. Because I am still eleven points ahead of you, Nikolai. But oh, you are, each- you are.
1: But you're but over the last two cards, these last two exciting cards, you are a half a point down.
0: Sure, whatever, whatever works. But, but whenever you want to start that, that count works for me.
1: I like to, I like to talk about the the present. <laughs> recent, recent.
0: You, you like recent to talk about ask. whatever is most convenient at the moment. But we each did score with six points. Um, I ended up picking all but one fights correct. I did not pick that main event well, Nick. You ended up scoring uh, with uh, with also six points. Uh, you only had two fights wrong. So we did a really good job picking on this card. So, Nikolai, let's jump right into UFC 267 because we've got to spend the entire next segment uh, breaking down to UFC 268. Yeah, man, a fantastic card behind us, a we great need one We knew top
1: to bottom. I mean, a lot, Ru- lot of Russians on this card. And we uh, and but the matchups were were largely terrific and it resulted in some some really great action. Uh, let's take man. it from the top, though. What? Uh, oh, you know, following the co-main event, oh, the the amazing result of the main event almost seemed to me um, anticlimactic. Really?
0: You you found that to be anticlimactic. climactic? Tell me more. Is it because, Yen
1: It happened, well, it was quick. It happened quick, and it was coming off that five-round war. Uh, so it was a little, may, I mean, maybe I was just also just a little thrown off that the first round was largely Yan and guard. Like, it was just, it wasn't how I expected it to happen, so it was, yeah, it was just kind of like thrown off. But really, uh Good for Glover, you know a, a nice mo- a bittersweet moment. Good for Glover, a rough one for Ian, but he just did not to me. I you know he did not look. Um, he didn't look himself. I don't. I don't want to speak to preparation or or what. He doesn't seem to have any answers after the fight. But he um, he just he never really seemed to have his footing in there.
0: Yeah, it, it seemed like the early pressure from. Teixeira was working, but you're right, it didn't seem like Yan was really himself, specifically after, like he didn't seem flustered after he spent the first round on his back, while just holding tightly onto Teixeira and his guard, and he got up, and on the way up, I remember he said, you got one, but we both know what's going to happen from here, kind of thing, is what he was insinuating, and man, was he wrong, Teixeira, man. He is brilliant at, at, at pushing his opponents up against that fence, and he was actually throwing jabs, which Teixeira almost never does. He's known for his crosshook combo more than anything else standing, but he has known for his pressure, and he used that pressure to press Yan up against that fence. I think Yan was, was concerned about pressuring early because he was concerned about that takedown, but man, he just made it easy for Glover, who's a lot better at getting single and double legs against the fence than he is in the middle of the cage. And then again, Yan just kind of held on and kept it safe. It was probably a good call, and we can tell it was a good call. You don't want Glover to to pass your guard if you're a light heavyweight period uh not very many people survived that right and man once the got on top in that second round it just looked like yan wasn't himself he also looked exhausted oddly enough nick in between rounds he was breathing so heavily which i've never seen on yan or certainly not in the recent past it's weird it's almost like the 2010 or i should say i guess 2015 yan Blahovic came back and defended the title that that version of him didn't earn very odd, man. Um, he looked winded. He looked tired. And it looked like he gave up a little bit. It didn't look like just that Teixeira just kind of got a good position. It didn't seem like he was fighting that choke or that neck crank, whatever it is that ended up finishing it. I, I would argue it was a neck crank, even though Blahovich said that it was a choke. But Lovich was honorable. He went up uh, to the press conference after, um, was honest oh, yeah. with the media, didn't make any excuses. I got to give him so many props. But, man, Teixeira looked incredible. It, you know that the, part of the issue is that Blahovich didn't show up because normally – Teixeira gets badly hurt by much lower-level light heavyweights with major holes, with less power on their hands. And he didn't, man. There was not even a single moment of positivity for Jan Blachowicz in this fight, man. It was about as dominant a, a, a taking of the title as it gets, especially in that second round where he took him down, passed his guard, got the choke, it was over. I mean, it was it was incredible performance by Teixeira, who showed up looking in the best shape of his uh, career. And yeah, just looked really in his, in his worst form yet. Yeah, I, I don't know how to explain it.
1: Yeah, and it's not like you know. I've been. I was checking out. I'm like, well, his last his last two like great performances, including his his title win uh, against Reyes for the vacated belt. They were not against wrestlers. They were against two you know two strikers, and not Asana and Reyes. And uh, but before that, I mean, you know, I mean, Rockhold doesn't have great offensive wrestling, but Rockhold Souza two fights with Corey Anderson. Krylov, he did lose to Pat, you know, to Pat Cummings, but, uh, fights with Anderson and Cannoneer, like those are, those are guys that can, they can exploit someone's wrestling weakness. Um, so it's not like, it's not like Jan is not, hasn't faced guys with, with good takedowns before, but he just did, he did not seem sure on his feet. He did not, he, he didn't plant, he didn't control distance. Um, he, didn't, he didn't cut angles the way that he did against Dominic Reyes. Uh, yeah, I don't know. The guy just wasn't in it.
0: No, he, he really wasn't. It was it was unfortunate to see this version of him, but incredible to see Teixeira pull this off, man. He gets most of his wins from that mount or that back take. He did it again here. He gets most of his wins by submission after hurting a guy on the feet. He didn't hurt Blahovic on the feet. He didn't need to because he was able to get those clean takedowns in the first and second rounds. Fantastic performance, man. And once... Um, once Teixeira had Yan um, uh, kind of flat on his face, and once he flattened him out and he had his back, man, it was, there was nothing that Yan seemingly was interested in really doing about it. He was trying to bend his hips, but that wasn't enough, man. You weren't going to get away from Teixeira, who's got old man strength. He's got, what, 25 years of Brazilian jiu-jitsu on him now, right? There was a point in my Brazilian jiu-jitsu journey, Nikolai, especially when I was focusing on that art, where guys just started saying how strong I felt out of nowhere. I, didn't, I wasn't lifting weights at the time, right? There's like a grappler strength that develops over time that Teixeira's got to have to just a different league. On top of the fact that Teixeira looked physically like he was in the best shape of his entire UFC career, including when he first got that title shot against Jon Jones six or seven years ago. So, really good on him, man. It's so good to see a guy yeah. break through and, yeah. and do his thing. And,
1: and this is a bit of a streak in that, like he had Thiago Santos dead to rights in the same position. Mm-hmm. Not exact, but uh, you know, and and that that guy's no, you know he's not, he's not someone who, um, is like a turtle flipped over. Right. Like, so yeah, Glover's Glover's for real. I mean, the problem is, um, you know, what does this mean for Yuri? So, but that's, that's for us to, to discuss later. Cause Yuri's, I think Yuri is a problem. I thought, I mean, I thought Jan was a problem fight for Glover. I look at Yuri and I'm like, Yuri's a problem fight for Glover, but what do I know?
0: Yeah, but you know what? You you could look at any of Glover's last several opponents, including Tiago Santos. We picked against him, including Anthony Smith. Um, I can't remember who I picked in that fight, to be fair, but there's a decent chance that you and I both picked Anthony Smith, right? He is he is beating these these gritty veterans, not just guys with major holes anymore, although Tiago Santos has his holes. Let's not kid ourselves. He's figuring out a way to beat these guys and make them look bad at times, especially once he starts to take over the fight, once he gains some momentum. There's really no going back, man. He's the kind of guy that he can come back from the brink of death like a zombie and come back and dominate you and finish you in the next round. It's freaking unbelievable. Uh, here's the thing about Yuri, Yuri Proshaska. Haven't seen much of his ground game. He has pretty good takedown defense. Does he have good enough takedown defense to avoid Teixeira's takedowns? I'm not so sure. I would not be shocked if Teixeira drags him to the floor and does the exact kind of thing to him. It's entirely possible. Jury looks incredible on the feet, but man, that pressure is hard to deal with. He's not going to be able to do his usual playing around business with Teixeira walking straight forward, throwing crosses and hooks. And if he doesn't get caught on the way in, he's going to dive in for those legs, and he might just get that takedown once, Uh, Glover Teixeira was on top of Yuri or whoever else, man. Like, it is extremely frightening to be under that guy in that situation. But it's great to see him, man. He's now officially on a six-fight winning streak. Hasn't lost since 2018. uh, Unanimous decision to Corey Anderson. He was on a little bit of a cold, hot streak back then where he was alternating losses and wins. Good to see him putting this together. And it's weird because since John Jones left this division um the title's just been changing hands right we 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 all expected Reyes to deserve it arguably Reyes won it from John Jones Reyes got uh, basically beat up by Blahovic now Blahovic gets beat up by Glover Teixeira and my least favorite thing about the fact that Blahovic uh, lost this fight is that John Jones feels the need to gloat anytime anybody that has ever challenged him in any way whatsoever even respectfully Loses, he has to gloat, and somehow John Jones considers this to be a win for himself. Somehow, um, which I don't like particularly, and I hope he loses first chance against that heavyweight. Just for the record, throwing that out there.
1: If he if he ever comes back, if he ever um, comes in the back. the co-main event, in the co-main event, holy shit, what a banger! Oh man, um, it's fantastic. Peter Peter Jan Now it's a bit of a you know a bit of a formula there. He he takes he takes some damage in the first round. He assesses things. He throws back a little bit. And it was just like, all right, Corey styled on him a bit, just similar to how Aljamain Sterling did. And from, you know, a couple of minutes into the second round, he just took over. He had all the reads. And, uh, I mean, it was Corey Hagen, Stan Hagen was always in the fight. And it was, you know, it did great body work, like fought his ass off. But the way that Jan was able to clo- you know, close the distance the power, the power behind his shots, his accuracy, and the guy just his composure is insane. It really um, is. You could see after the knockdown, Corey was shaken. After that, uh, spending you know, fist. That, after the third round. Yeah. That, oh, that's. That left hand, it was a left hand to a spinning back fist, right? Or was it a spinning back fist to a left hand?
0: Spinning back fist to a left hand. He kind of showed him the left hand to set up the spin, but he wasn't planning on landing that first left hand. Then the spin came, then the overhand left following the spin, which is a combo I had worked on as well. It's pretty awesome. And he pulled it off, man, and knocked Corey Sanegan, who has a really good chin down. It was very impressive.
1: I don't know if you saw, after, after the fight, Jan actually tweeted and tagged you and thanked you for teaching him that move.
0: No, I, I actually actually didn't see it. It does explain why I have fewer oh, yeah. followers than I did prior prior to the Saturday's card.
1: But what a fight! But at the same time, you're Corey Sanhagen. What do you? You're just like, geez. You know this fight. These two losses back to back on a guy that's that good. It's just. It's a little. And he's lost, maybe he's, he's lost three of his last five. I think five. three
0: of his last four, if I'm yeah, not mistaken. Yeah, three of his last Is five. Is it five? Yeah, he, he was able to put two together after the Sterling uh, loss. Yeah. Yeah, it's tricky, man, because anytime you put yourself in this position, um, you're taking that risk, right? And and it's a huge reward, huge Uh, risk situation for Corey Sanhagen, who if he beat Yan, man, that is gigantic for his career. He is arguably the undisputed champion. He's got a big fight coming up with, with the actual champion and Sterling who previously beat him. Right. So it would have been like big things ahead for him. Now he kind of has to reset and step back a little bit. Um, and a matchup that he didn't have to take, that he just like took a risk on. And i got to give him all the props in the world for that. I think the lack of preparation may have been a factor. He could have been more competitive in rounds two through five had he had the chance to prepare for this for more than a month. But San Hagen showed some grit. He never gave in. He never stopped trying. But it did seem to me like, you're right, Yan, much like Israel Adesanya, spends the first round getting your timing, getting your speed, getting your reads, like watching for the openings that are going to be available to him later. He also is comfortable with the idea of letting you work hard early because it'll make... Uh it will it'll make his pressure that much more effective second round on. And man, he comes out in the second round like a different fighter every single time. It's fascinating. Uh Sterling really fell for it and he just put everything into that first round and was exhausted. Whereas um whereas T- uh, Sanhagen was more controlled, but unfortunately it, it wasn't enough. He just was outskilled in this matchup by the better man, by the smaller man. Um it's interesting because Yan, who usually counters pretty well, I don't think I gave him enough credit in my breakdown for his counters uh last week, but he counters pretty well wasn't able to counter effectively against a much longer sanhagen so really it was his aggressive moments that gave him the win and i talked about this last week i said that the guy that's going to be more aggressive that's going to be pushing forward is going to be winning those moments in the fight uh yen was able to start uh, pressing in that second round kept pressing the entire time from then never gave him uh never stepped on his back foot from there and uh, man that he he just put on a master class it was absolutely fantastic and an incredible fight by both guys i hope uh, cory sanhagen gets a nice nice big bonus from the ufc for this one
1: yeah, I hope so too. And the obvious next fight for him to make is going to be the, the loser of the Aldo-Rob Font fight that we've got coming up in a month. I am
0: very into that. I, I think that makes plenty of sense. I do want to say about Yan, he's clearly developing, right? He's adding a lot of those spinning strikes. Yes. He he threw the spinning back fist, which landed clean and knocked Corey, Corey down. It's the first one I've seen him throw. He may have thrown it once or twice before in the UFC. Um, he threw the spinning heel kick and he landed that, even though it didn't quite hurt uh, Corey and it was more of a partial land. But not only that, but for a guy that's known for his boxing nick, he was extremely consistent with his kicks, and it's it's a great idea against the guy who's got really good footwork in Sanhagen. So he clearly came prepared. He clearly was prepared for that left hook to the body that Sanhagen likes to throw. He likes to throw a jab left hook to the body, and Yen was ready to counter with that left hook right cross. He was ready every single time. Counters were a little bit difficult um, for anything outside of that short range kind of shot for Yan because of the reach disadvantage, but man, really, really good fight, man. Fantastic performance by Yan. He is clearly the best 135 pounder in the world. And by the way, the commentators pretended like Adel Sterling doesn't exist and that uh, he doesn't actually hold the title. They just acted like he defended it once again and he should get another jewel on, on his, uh, on his championship belt. So that was kind of funny.
1: I, you know, the fight I'd really love to, I would love to see triple C come back to fight. Yan. I would love that. But who knows if we're going to get that. That's, I mean,
0: I think I think Triple C has got his sights set on Volkanovski, and I think Volkanovski might be open to that. I just don't think the UFC is willing to pay Triple C any more money. Triple C kind of lost any leverage that he had. He overplayed his hand when he uh, beat Dominic Cruz, and he thought that if he retired, the UFC would want to convince him to come back. But the UFC literally just moved on, made a matchup, and didn't make fuss of it. Um, it's tough to play those games through the media with Dana White, who is really good at playing those games. He's really well, good at negotiating. So who thought that
1: he way. had. Mo- he made the key mistake, which is he was weighing himself based on talent. He doesn't realize that the Diaz brothers with like one win between them in the last thirty five years, whole, you know, yep. put 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 asses in exactly. seats the same way Triller puts asses in seats. And that's not to take anything away from the Diaz brothers who were terrific. But Suho no no casual, no casuals know who Henry Suhoudo is. <laughs> Nobody in pop culture that watches two or three fights a year, maybe sure. he knows who Henry Cejudo You're is. You're
0: absolutely right. He overplayed his hand. Um, Unfortunately, it puts him in a really terrible position. I wouldn't be surprised if Dana's like, you want to come back? Fight 20 for 20 because Dana is an asshole, and unfortunately, Triple C does deserve a lot better based on his skills. Uh, he should. It, it was too early to pull that trigger. Uh, Roger Huerta, a few other people have done this kind of thing before. It never works out. The UFC will play hardball with you, and if you don't have any serious leverage, and odds are, if you're under contract with them, you have no leverage. Like, let's face it, if you're under contract with the UFC, they have everything in their corner, uh, unless you're maybe Conor McGregor. I think that's the only exception I can think of right now, but man, uh, Henry Cejudo, I'd love to see him back. I'd love to see him fight either the 145 or 135-pound champ. Uh, uh, for him to conquer a third championship would have been would be just uncanny. Nobody's ever done it before. Uh, quickly, let's get back Man. to this card. Islam Akhmedov just ran through Dan Hooker. It was as simple as a quick takedown, pass to half guard, lock in the kimura, free his legs. Uh,
1: I, I could hear. Yeah, we don't even seek Kimuras anymore. Yeah. Like this was an old. This was an old. This was like an old school. And Why? it
0: was purely, purely, purely skill. I remember the first time I tapped my Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt years ago. It was very similar to that. I, I was able to take him down and I was a little bit surprised that I was, you know, that it was that simple. I was able to pass his guard. I got his arm and I finished with the Kimura with the with the leg over his head and I remember he got up and he said that was absolutely fantastic you just did everything exactly as you were supposed to do and I was like so proud of myself Islam Makachev did it in high level MMA against freaking Dan Hooker absolutely smoked the man Um, I could hear Khabib talking to Islam as he was setting up that Kimura and Khabib was saying patience patience don't get don't don't rush and then Khabib was the one that told him to step his foot over which if you step your foot over your opponent's head while you have that Kimura grip what it allows you to do is lift your opponent off the floor so you can actually get that arm behind your opponent, right? If your opponent's flat with his back uh, on the uh, on the mat, you can't really get his own arm under him in order to crank that shoulder. Islam did the right thing in stepping up on that foot with his leg over Hooker's head. Uh, was able to create that clearance and yank that arm. I don't even. I'm not like it seemed like Hooker tapped on the replay. I didn't really see him tap initially, so I wouldn't be shocked if the referee uh, pulled the trigger a little bit earlier. No, there. I
1: think. It was it was well it was it was a vocal submission. Ah, that makes sense. That makes sense. He, I mean, he, had, I believe he yelled in pain. He did. It was one of the yell. It was one of the yelling. T- I mean, he he protested a little bit actually, but yeah. I mean, his arm was his arm was going to get broken, and he was and he was yelling in pain. The referee was correct to stop it.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt. And let's face it, if you're gonna if you're gonna put two guys together, one guy's record is 21 and one, and the other guy's record is 21 and 10. Um, I, you know, even though hookers faced a higher level of overall opposition, I think it tells you where both of these guys were and man, that matchup worked out that way uh, I think Makachev was my first pick and I thought the odds were a little too wide, I think uh, minus 500-ish would have made more sense, but I'm sure the betters uh, spread that lineup out even wider and for good reason Man, Makachev, I mean, at this point after that performance, he has an easy argument to make to face uh, the winner uh, of the Poirier and Oliveira matchup for the title, or I would not be terribly against him facing the winner of this weekend's matchup between Gaethje and Michael Chandler. Um, That that would would take the excitement out of the room if he took one of those guys down and submitted him quickly. But if he's able to do that to high-level opposition, then maybe he deserves to be champ.
1: I got another idea for you. What you got? I want to see Islam Makachev against Benil Daryush for a title shot.
0: Brilliant. I love it. That's perfect, Nick, because that is the that is absolutely brilliant. That this is why you're the matchmaker of this podcast. Nick, that's brilliant because the one guy that could compete with him on the floor, the one guy that's really accomplished in the grappling scene, when it comes to the top five of this division, it is Benil Darius. Perfect matchup. I love that. And I think the winner uh gets the title shot. Although if either Chandler or Gachy get do something spectacular, realistically it's gonna be one of them. Uh even though That's it will okay. Be...
1: There's still, there's enough time. You do you right you've got You've got Chandler Gagey fighting now, you've got Poye Oliveira fighting in a month. Yep. You do you do Makachev, Daryush in the late late winter, early spring. It's not like as Makachev first of all, Daryush has nothing scheduled and I don't believe he's hurt. We see him in people's corners and stuff. Makachev said he did not need to shower. Like he did like yeah. he's fine. He didn't even get he didn't even get sweaty. He's okay. He's good to go. So you can if if, if Darush is healthy, you can book that fight. Uh, you can book that fight whenever. And again, it gives Darius the path that he deserves, which is like... Absolutely. Okay. Like, And the the winner of that should should really uh, should be in line for a shot. Yeah,
0: I, I actually think everybody in the division, including Oliveira, of all those people, I do think that Daryush has the highest chance of uh, not only being able to knock out Makachev on the feet with his skill there and his power there... But also potentially to avoid takedowns, and if if he does get taken down, to actually defend and have a bit of a grappling match where it's back and forth. It should be than a Makhachev great fight. Doing whatever he wants
1: exactly. I'd be ve- I'd be very very excited to see that.
0: It's a it's a, it's a great matchmaking uh, situation, Nikolai. Well done. Um, outside of that, Volkov won you know kind of a tepid decision over Marching Taboro, who didn't have the firepower to compete.
1: Volkov looked slower than usual.
0: He did. He he did he he was heavier I think than usual even heavier than he had been in his last couple of fights and slower I don't know if he didn't take this matchup seriously I don't know if he's losing his motivation but he still had enough to uh, to do some damage to well, Tybura it did seem like Volkov was getting tired but it still wasn't enough for Tybura to take over
1: yeah he did he had much more he had much more uh, speed I mean listen he jabbed and he, he used his strikes effectively but he he was missing. He just was, he was not as crisp. Listen, usually when Volkov fights, he's a giant heavyweight who fights like a light heavyweight. Like he's he's a quick kick. He's a pretty quick kickboxer. Um, and he looked he looked like a he looked like a, a belabored heavyweight uh, much earlier in this fight than I thought he would. And it could be that the loss to Cyril Gon was a tough one to take. I mean, it's a kickboxer guy from a kickboxing background in your division who. Um, you know, who you were completely ineffectual against. So who knows? But I think we've seen the ceiling on Tabura who's gonna to be tough out still for, you know, anyone outside of like the top eight. Um, high level
0: gatekeeper, if nothing else, I think.
1: He's dur. I mean he's he's durable and he's a good fighter, but uh yep. but when you're when you've got when you're coming in with someone who's either a truly, truly elite athlete, and really any elite athlete's gonna be tricky for uh, Tabura but he can be crafty. If you're if you're an elite athlete who's a uh, top-notch grappler or a top-notch striker, you're going to be able to beat Tabura The good news is there's only like four of those, or <laughs> maybe six yep. of them in the in the division. Yeah, so that, he that, should, he that, should that have a job. Bad. He should have a job for a while, but he's he's not going to get a title shot.
0: Unfortunately not, man. Not unless uh, heavyweight is suddenly desolate with like not a single or, you know, not, not even a couple of serious athletes with good skill there, which right now heavyweight's at a pretty good point. Hamzat Shibayev, speaking of running through, took down Li Jing Li Yang immediately.
1: I don't think I've ever seen a shot that fast, certainly not by a welterweight.
0: Yeah, it was it was super quick. Uh, got that clean double leg, I believe it was. Uh, took his back, and I mean, I mean, it was it was super quick. It was it was over before you know it. It, it took him less than two minutes to get rid of a pretty well-respected Walter Way contender. Or I don't know. Yeah, contender is probably a good word. Who, by the way, in his losses, I'm looking at his losses now. He's never been. He's never been finished, I mean, in the first round ever in his career. This is the first time somebody just ran through the man. So really, really impressive by Kamzat Shemaev. It doesn't answer many questions about his COVID situation, right? If COVID was that bad for him, does he have the conditioning to actually go uh, at his kind of pace? Because he goes at a high pace. Does he have the conditioning to do that um, in the second and third round? Still curious to find that out. I think one of my big asks from Lee for this matchup was that he just prolonged. Um, comes out and stretch him out into the second round, so we could see what comes out can do later in a fight. But man, it was not to be. He just smoked him, in.
1: Yeah, he's uh, he's something. He's something to 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 see right now. I hope I hope that the next fight isn't a complete doormat fight and that he gets a real challenge. But.
0: They're trying He's to make high. it Nate Diaz, Nick. Nate fucking Diaz. Yeah,
1: I don't, I don't like that. Um, Me neither. No
0: hardcore MMA fan does. Like, what is the point of that? Why, why are we putting on the charade? Like, it's ridiculous. It's just well, so. Also,
1: I want to see, I want to see Nate perform. If I get in there, I want to see Nate smack people, throw shots, th- you know, throw 150 strikes. Like, you know, like there's no fun watching watching Nate Diaz get immediately taken down. And but whatever. Moving yep. on. Um, um I oh, man. Oh, Okay, I'm over my love affair with Volkan Osimir is over. Are you? Because he had, I mean, he just had he had no aggression. He had nothing. He caught that he was slower as you said he was going to be, and then he got put on his butt in the first round. And he was just very very tepid and timid uh, a, after that. There was nothing, not a lot on his counter strikes. He just didn't. He just looked like a fighter going through the motions. So on to Bellator with you. Um, I Manny actually think, he,
0: uh, well, for the for the record, if he does go to Bellator, he's going to do well there. Michael Makan is a is a legitimate sure. legitimate prospect at 205. We need to start taking him extremely seriously. Uh,
1: Ostamir's only fought legit guys, but I thought his yes. ceiling was a little higher. Um,
0: yeah, uh, but 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 we do have to give props to Kaleev, who again is one of these serious now contenders, not just a prospect at 205 pounds. And of uh, 205 pounds, I spoke about how if Kaleev gets to finish here, he's going to get sped up right to the top couple of opponents. Um, I think he's ready for that, even though he didn't really push uh, push the pedal. He's not the kind of guy that's necessarily going to put you in a mode where you're defenseless and then just finish you. He's the type of guy that will stay safe and keep picking at you at a distance without taking the risk to actually finish you, which you know is going to slow down his, his upward trajectory. But um, maybe it's better for his career. Maybe he's not ready for the very, very top of this division yet.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, there's one way to find out, which is put him in there with Anthony Smith, um, which I think would be really interesting. The, uh, the other thing to do is, you know, Dominic Reyes, who's come, you know, three losses in a row to John Jones, John Blahovich and Yuri per, uh, Perhofska, Perhofska, um, even though, you know, that jo- you could say that the Jones fight, he certainly fought well enough to win. Um, but Re- Reyes will be coming back. I think it's more likely to be Anthony Smith. Um, but we'll It sounds see.
0: like Anthony Smith is looking at the Blahovich fight next, which I think makes a lot of sense, actually.
1: I would, I would prefer to say I, um, had I hadn't heard that, but it does make sense, except Anthony Smith is on a three fight win streak. but.
0: Right, but the, I mean, we're talking about the guy that just held the title. Yeah, a huge step up. Where did, for where, Smith
1: where, where's, your, where's your info? Where's your data uh, apparently, coming from? On that?
0: Apparently, Anthony Smith mentioned that as something the UFC offered him right after that fight. Because apparently, Blahovich wants to get back in there as soon as possible. Huh. Okay, maybe that'll happen. So it looks like that's probably likely which which I meant to. So my my comment on man honestly anybody um if Jerry is not for some reason uh, Yuri is not getting the title shot next I'd be thought, okay. They're both uh, contenders at this point. Maybe they can main event uh, a five-rounder. I'd love to see on Clive in a five-round fight with that speed if he can uh, with somebody that's going to make him work hard, right? Like it's, yeah,
1: it's, it'll, it's, be it's ra- it'll be it'll be Kick then. There's no other choices.
0: Yes, that's it. That's perfect. There you go. But you I thought talk, we were going to
1: this- get Smith Raykik, But yeah, that makes more sense.
0: Uh, yeah, with, with, it sounds like Smith is now going to shift focus, which I think makes sense. I think Blachowicz needs a Smith kind of opponent um, to right his ship. Uh, and then let's quickly breeze down everything else here, Nick. Manda Hibas did well against Virna uh, Jandiroba after the first round where she got, got taken to down. Round. She stayed on her feet and was just a better striker. Zubaira Tohugov, as we expected, uh, did well against Ricardo uh, Ramos. She got, she, got
1: knocked, she got knocked down in the first round.
0: You're right, she did late in that first round. She also, she also got knocked down, that's right. Um, and then uh, Zubair Tahugov basically outworked Ricardo Ramos, who Ramos doesn't do well against athletic guys with any power, and if he, he feels like you have that early, He's, he's kind of, he shuts down a little bit, and he starts to come alive a little bit as the fight progressed, but Tukhugov had enough. By the way, Tukhugov is a guy that sucker-punched Conor McGregor, after Conor McGregor lost, it just shows you the power of Khabib Nurmagomedov, that he still has a job with the UFC. Um, I'm almost surprised that Conor didn't, like, call Dana and go, like, what the F is this guy still fighting the UFC for? Um, Albert Duryev, uh you know, dispatched the Roman Kopelov, as we expected. Elysio Zaleski Dos Santos versus Benoit Saint-Denis. This is a controversial one because uh, the referee in this matchup was absolutely horrendous and should have stopped that fight several times in that second round, but didn't. Uh, but Saint Denis got to show how tough he was. Um, you, you know, you talked about how Saint Denis might be a good underdog pick there. I thought it was a great opportunity to bet on Alyzzi Zaleski dos Santos at those odds. Like he should be a huge favorite over this UFC newcomer. Um, and uh, Zaleski did what he had to do. He got tired in that third round, but you know, took his foot off the pedal, but kept trying, realizing that uh, Benoit is a really tough guy. Any thoughts on that one?
1: Yeah, it was a it was a shellacking. I, I mean, you never know which Zaleski is going to show up, and Zaleski showed up, and Benoit. Uh, saint like wasn't a, his the striking that he uses to get in and close the distance in the other divisions like Brave um, was or the other leagues rather was not was just not was not effective. I think he was in a, he was in a disadvantage as an athlete and um, he, if he's going to be successful against high level competition in the UFC, he's gonna he's gonna have to tighten up his game because you can't. He's obviously got a great beard, but you you can't uh, you can't just like lean on that at this level.
0: Nick, the, the reason I thought it was preposterous to pick him was because, was because the guy had eight fights going into this against the guy with 30 fights, and like 15 of Zaleski's fights were in the UFC. We're talking about a very different league of athlete, very different league of, league of experience. It's hard to tell. It's always hard I think, to
1: tell when you're watching tape from other leagues, those 10. No right, but it's it's against.
0: But it's against low level competition. What I'm saying is, I don't think Saint Denis needs to make major improvements. He needs to make improvements, but I think he's in a pretty good place. He just needs to fight somebody that's like. Well, depends how. Depends
1: what that what that fight did to him, but yeah. Yeah,
0: Um, that's true. It, It sounds like he's. I mean, he's obviously a mentally strong, gritty, gritty guy. He just was not giving in when the referee was like, "You can't see, start fighting." He was like, "All right, like like he's just a tough guy, so he's got the right mentality for it." I worry about his corner man if they if they weren't gonna save him from that fucking referee. I, I don't know who was, but uh, I'm, I'm hoping he's okay now. I'm I'm, I'm glad he's past it. Mihal Oleg Sejic, we mentioned, uh, basically ran through Shamil, exhausted him in one round. That pressure doesn't usually work that early, but his pressure and power was a great combination. Leroy Murphy, um, we expected Makwan to look good early, and then he got a quick knockout in the second round. Petrovsky did what he we thought he would do, late submission. And Seghir Olambekov used that wrestling to uh, to beat Alan Nascimento. Any other thoughts on any of these bouts, bud?
1: you know even though i had picked tagir and i got a point for it the ulun uh, bankov fight i thought nasimento is it was a serious athlete it's one of those cases of yes he was on the bottom but constantly attacking you know tagir was def- maintaining top position but constantly defending so that's a tricky thing a tricky thing to judge um, cause the more i agree with I felt, you. The, it's like i really felt like it could have gone either you know either way um, I thought Petroski was awesome, and Yozong, know, who does not belong in the UFC. Uh, Jesus, Amir Khan, he, like eight. He did the same way. We've seen that knee a couple times. We it was a it was like a replay of uh, Barbosa Dariush, It was a re, of Romero Weidman. <laughs> uh, those are you know those are guys to a different to a different degree. Askarin Masvidal, that was a flying knee. Um, but, yeah. And Mercani looked good in the first round. He looked great in the first round. And he didn't have time to gas in the second one. He just fucking ate that shit hard. Round, um, right so into I that knee, yeah. yeah, Mr. Miss, uh, Mr. Finland uh, was taught a lesson by Lerone Murphy, uh, who's the real deal. So, I mean, just a great, it, it, a thoroughly entertaining card, top to bottom. And it looks like we've got a good shot at another one this weekend. Proud of my picks. I know we picked a pretty much even. But, uh and you know there was only the only underdog on the card that won was uh Blachowicz. So um No, actually we'll,
0: the the other the other one was Mihal Oleantzech. Ol- Ol- that's the only underdog that I picked. Oh, you're and, sure? Uh, you sure the he only was Yeah. No,
1: okay.
0: Yeah, I think that's what made you pick uh, uh, the the Russian in that in that situation. Uh, but Nikolai, a uh, really good card. I agree with you by by the way about that Ulanbekov um uh, Nasimanto fight. Good argument to be made that Nascimento did more damage and did more work besides just holding top position, which is what Ulan Bekov did. Uh, we Like I, I said last week, how the odds are way too wide in this one and how it's Ulan Bekov's wrestling and he'll just hold top position long enough to win a decision. It's exactly how it worked out. So uh, always satisfying when I can break down a fight um, accurately like that, which which I feel like we generally do. Nikolai, let's take a break. We're going to come back, break down UFC 268. Huge card after huge card. Usman versus Cummington two. Rose Noma Yunus versus Wei Li Zhang, Justin Gaethje, Michael Chandler. Two rematches at the top and an exciting uh, uh, third bout on there, that which could be a co-main event anywhere. Let's take a break and break it down. back on the podcast and we're going to get into the MMA Geeks draft we're going to break down UFC 268 for you all Usman versus Covington two, uh, Covington 2 excuse me this is an exciting one, Nick. Um, I believe you had the first pick last time. And the way it works for new listeners is that we each take turns picking fighters competing on the upcoming card. Tally up the points at the end of the week. Uh, correct pick is worth one point. You get two points for any underdog that's plus 150 or above that you successfully pick. So far, I am 11 points ahead. 114 of my points to 103 of Nick's. Nikolai, I have the first pick this week. I'm going to take Phil Haas to just savage Chris damn Curtis. It. Was that going to be your first one? It. Yes, um, I, I, I just I just think this is a miss, mismatch. Chris Curtis has been fighting kind of lower-level competition for a long time. A bit of a journeyman for a while there, although he has a little bit of a streak now. But I don't think it's going to be enough against Phil Haas. Wrestling Phil Haas, brute strength, his the power in his hands, the fact that he's looking more conditioned, more improved lately. I look forward to seeing Phil Haas face like live opponents in the near future rather than these kind of matchups. But I think Curtis may have been a last-minute replacement. What are your thoughts, bud?
1: Yeah. I think um, also Curtis is, you know, the success that he's had has been at welterweight, um, so he's moving up and like Phil Oz and Nat got a nasty middleweight punch. He sleeps, he sleeps big dudes. So I, I think it's a, uh, I think it's a real tough draw. On uh, and it's just short notice, you said, right?
0: Yeah, I believe it is. I believe uh, both guys actually took this on short notice, but Hall has yeah. been preparing for a fight for a little while.
1: Yep. So I had I had Oz. that was gonna be my first pick, so fuck you. Um, my first pick I'm gonna go with the San the Sanford MMA uh, Irishman Ian Gary, over uh, the future Ian Gary over um, Jordan Williams. I like Jordan Williams. He's a, he's athletic, but he's that guy who I believe because of diabetes cannot cut does not cut weight um so he's always going to be at a size disparity he actually
0: he actually has started to cut to 170 uh from his last fight nick
1: oh so is this this fight is this is his first fight with a cut
0: uh i believe second fight at 170 he lost to mickey at 170 last time out
1: that's right that's right he did he did lose to mickey gal but it's largely because he lost to mickey gall that i um listen Ian gary's a guy who can get it done everywhere he's got uh he can finish in cage warriors he finished with head kicks he finished with ground and pound. Um, he's a, I just, I think he's a, I think he's a real prospect and will, and William seems to me more, more of the work in progress. Um, so I, and it's, he's in a tough position coming off a couple of losses. Um, so I, I'm going to go with Gary here.
0: Yeah, I'm there with you with Gary. Ian Gary is like a pretty talented guy from what I'm seeing. Um, The odds are crazy wide yeah. here minus 340 in his UFC debut he's got a handful of pro fights so a little bit too much I think confidence in him by whether it be betters or uh, odds makers but here's the thing he is 7-0 as a pro 13-1 between his pro and amateur record combined 6'3 at 170 pounds, extremely fast with his jab, good calf kicks, very, very fast with the strikes, some tricky setups for head kicks, we'll go for body lock takedowns from the clinch, and really good ground and pound, good Bravo and darce chokes once his opponents start to get up. I just feel like Williams, with his lack of ground game, um, he's got a lot of power, man. He can hurt just about anyone standing. He he is the guy that um, beat... um, Gregory Rodriguez, who's two and zero in the UFC with two knockouts, right? And he Jordan Williams like ran through him, just TKO'd him immediately. So um, he's he's a, he's a talented guy, just can't quite put it all together. I don't think he's that skilled on the ground. So I agree with you about Ian Gary. The odds are just just astronomical here. My next pick is going to be Nikolai. I'm doing it. I'm going for the main event. Wow. Both of these guys are, yeah, both these guys are pressure fighters. Both are comfortable in their new camps. Now with Covington switching to MMA masters and, uh, Kumar Usman switching over to the grudge training center of under Trevor Whitman. And, I'm sure Covington focused on increasing his power and his punches leading into this one, right? Usman, he's shown the piston jab. He's He's got the confidence in his right hand, serious power there. Knocked out the last three opponents that he faced over the course of four fights, right? including Covington. Whereas Covington only faced one opponent and wasn't a live one. It was Woodley since he got knocked out by uh, Kamaru Usman, right? We've seen Usman's big leaps in growth. We haven't really seen Covington face, face anybody hey. real. He refused to yeah. fight anyone, exactly, um, but we did see Kobe rock Usman a couple of times in their first fight, and then we saw Usman get hurt by Burns. So I could see there being an opening there. It's possible that he catches him and takes advantage of it. But man, Kobe, Kobe can't seem to hurt really I anybody. Don't
1: think he, I don't think Kobe's got power. I, I wouldn't even go as far as to say that he rocked Usman. I think he he caught him with some clean punches, but.
0: Well, I, he caught him with some know. clean punches that seemed to have had a little bit of just like a momentary dazing effect. Just like very momentary, and then Usman's back at it. He wasn't like dancing or anything, but it did seem like there were clean shots that that phased him a little bit. Um, yeah, and- caught,
1: caught with a good shot, but a, but a, it, that's a big difference between caught caught with a good shot and in, in, in danger of getting knocked out.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say in danger of getting knocked out. Neither guy has shown much weakness in the UFC so far, but... We know that Usman was rocked badly by Gilbert Burns early in their fight. And we know that Covington can be caught, as he has been twice in his UFC career thus far, by Worley Alves by submission back in like 2015, I think, and by Usman. The big question mark is how this matchup stacks up with their wrestling, I think. Both have respected collegiate careers. Neither guy went for a single takedown in their first fight, which is very unlike both of these guys. I assume we'll see at least... Take down attempts in this one. I, I think don't this think so. You don't. I do
1: not think so. I think. <laughs> I think. Col- I think Colby lost a kickboxing match last time, and he's gonna wanna. He's gonna try. I mean, he's gonna be in incredible shape. I think he's gonna try to. I think I agree with you. Well, your pick is Usman, yes. Yes. Yeah. Um. I agree with the pick, and I think Colby's gonna put uh, work to put a tre- like tremendous, tremendous output. But I just don't think. I don't think he's gonna be able to to take the counters. I think Usman. I think Usman's punching power has increased substantially since he went to elevation. Um, I think they taught him a few tricks, and I just I, I don't think Colby's going to be able to eat the eat the shots for five rounds. I don't think anyone. I don't think I don't think anyone can. I think Usman has ridic, has a ton of power.
0: Nick, shall we place a friendly wager of five dollars on whether or not there will be uh, clinch and takedown a- attempts in this matchup, just for fun?
1: It, they may be when they get. I will say. I will say that there will be fewer than five takedown attempts in the fight between the two fighters. Oh yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. They're not gonna. They're not gonna go for twenty takedowns a piece. Five is like a lot in a five rounder. So, no, f-
1: no fewer than five to- combined, not each guy.
0: No, no, I, I do hear that. Okay. But, but I mean, for Kobe, that isn't a lot per se, to be fair, but it is a lot of wrestling. From what Usman is saying in interviews leading up to this fight is he plans to be in control of exchanges instead of engaging in a firefight like he did last time. So, presumably, he should be more defensively uh, responsible, right? I wonder if that means that he might use his... Kind of strength advantage to hold Kobe against the cage. Also curious if we're going to see footwork from Usman or if he'll stay in front of Covington, but just like use more angles and engage with his jab more to keep Covington at the end of him. Uh, In any case, the best way to beat Usman from what we've seen is by knockout. Kobe has landed over 800 strikes in his UFC career and has no knockdowns to his name. Usman has eight knockdowns in his UFC career, five of them in his last four fights. Two of them against Kobe Covington. That combined with a strength advantage, I think he has a um, better coaching and uh, training at elevation is a big advantage for him as well. For all those reasons, I'm picking Kamaru Usman to win again. Depending on his game plan, he could finish Kobe, and hopefully, he does finish him decisively, so that we can hear Kobe whine about how the fight was rigged against him, even though it's clearly very ridiculous. Um, but look, this is this is going to be a damn good fight. I'm very excited about it. Neither of these guys is boring, so it, it'll be awesome.
1: Yeah, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to it. So this, this is one that'll have me nervous.
0: Yeah, same here. Because
1: it's, I, cause I'm a bit of a mark, and I, and I hate, I take the bait, and I hate Covington so much. Um, I hear that. So for my next pick, dangerous here, but I got a fortune favors the bold. I'm gonna go with my boy, Frankie Edgar, the underdog pick. He's at plus one fifty on more than three sites on best fight odds, and I like Vera. I think Vera's good. I don't. Listen, Frankie has been susceptible to the TKO or the knockout over the last couple years, but against guys that are bit much bigger than him and big and big hitters. Uh Vera has got some pop, but not not to the level of like that Ortega elbow stuff like that. I I see Edgar's speed, his output, his wrestling um being enough. Like Jose Aldo was able to keep Vera down. I think that over three rounds, Edgar will take some shots, but this will be a trademark Frankie Edgar decision win.
0: Um, Stylistically, this is a fight that I think could go either way since Vera doesn't have the early power, like you said, that gives Frankie problems, but Frankie is 40 years old and his durability is not keeping up with the times, right? So for that reason, I uh, I disagree with you on picking Vera, but I understand where you're making the pick. I think there's some value there, especially with him just barely being on that plus 150 line. I don't like either of these guys like losing. I don't like to see it, but I don't think either guy has what it takes as of now, to be elite. Like, Frankie yeah. Edgar's 40 years old. He's not heading there, right? And and Vera, he might be able to put it together. He's only 27 or 28, so he might still put it together. It's just this game is coming along a little bit slowly, and I think he needs a lot of help on the athleticism front. It's the athletic boxers that give him trouble, and I wouldn't just, I wouldn't use that to describe Frankie Edgar. Um, wrestling could be an issue point. I just feel like at 40 years old, man, how much conditioning is he going to have against the guy who's going to pick up the tempo as the fight goes? Frankie did get into a firefight and, and do you know moderately well against Pedro Munoz, um, and so, like he seems to either get started in the first round. Better, I think Munoz
1: is better. I think is better and faster than uh, uh, you know than Nick Cheeto is.
0: I want that to be the next matchup if Munoz is staying at uh, 135. If, for some reason, Tito loses especially, I think that's an easy matchup to make. I'm, be- I'm very curious how that would go because I think they're-, they're on a list of just like sub-elite 135-pound fighters, um, uh, Vera and uh, and uh, Munoz. I mean, they're just below that level, so I'm curious who between them would win. But I understand where you're coming from. I am officially disagreeing, but only by a slight margin, in my opinion. Well, do you know Y'all's- who
1: Frankie's been training with the last couple of No, weeks? I don't. Tell me. Oh. He has been training with... Nola, is it Nola, is his nickname? Uh, Cody Garbrandt.
0: Ah, oh, interesting. I know he's been doing some work with Mark Henry, so it makes sense. Uh, Cody Garbrandt, definitely a very different style from Vera, but it's a good training partner to have. Um, Vera the speed, is... The
1: speed Yeah, the speed alone.
0: Well, Vera's not that fast. That's the thing. Is Vera has trouble against faster, more athletic opponents. Vera's not super fast, but you're right. Like if Frankie Edgar's keeping up with a fast guy like that, it's 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 in his favor. Although you would think Garban is quite a bit smaller than Frankie, since Garban on paper can make uh, 125. But that that's good to know. I didn't realize they were training together. My next pick is going to be in the third biggest fight on the card in the Justin Gaethje Michael Chandler matchup. Nick, mm-hmm. I am extremely excited for this one. This is. Probably the fight I'm um, I'm most excited about. Period. With second coming in the main event between Usman and Covington. So we all know like both these guys what they bring to the table, right? Chandler just brings horsepower. He's extremely extremely athletic. Uh, and has a serious right hand with serious power good left hook that he works off of his right hand and gaethje really more than anything he's just a pressure fighter recently he's been a lot more tactical with his pressure where he waits for you to throw something and then he counters with bombs rather than just throwing shit nonstop and running into your offense and that's to the credit presumably of trevor whitman right who's really refined his game and really improved on on the way that he fights um to an effective, really, in a really effective way. Gaethje may have lost to Khabib, but he landed 63% of his very hard punches and kicks in the first round. Um, Khabib took a lot of damage. Khabib talked about how he was the hardest hitter he's ever faced. He's fairly comfortable in a firefight. He didn't look very comfortable in that one because he was the one being pressured, right? Despite that, he still had a good first round against Khabib, and I thought he won that round by just pure damage, even though the momentum clearly was swinging toward Khabib. Pure damage? He did way more damage in that first round, right? Chandler has the power to start Anyone in the first round, he has the wrestling to stay on top of. I would say non-wrestlers or mid-level fighters. But Geachy doesn't get finished with one hard strike early. He can be finished by being outpaced by an equally conditioned, more experienced opponent, like we saw with Poirier and uh, Eddie Alvarez. Right? Chandler's not well conditioned. He loses serious horsepower after the first round. Chandler's not more experienced than Geachy, like Poirier and Alvarez were several years back. On top of that, Chandler is not very durable. His last four no, losses be- yeah, are all no by
1: beer. No beer. Right.
0: Uh, last four losses are all by knockout or TKO. Gechi is known for hitting incredibly hard. Chandler is also predictable, as we saw with that cross of the body that he consistently landed uh, went for against Hooker and Oliveira, which gave Oliveira the opening to land that left hook counter and finish Chandler, right? I think Gechi's leg kicks, his power and technique advantage will win out, on top of the fact that um, Chandler was stopped by leg kicks just a few fights ago against kind of a mid-level opponent, if we're going to be honest, right? Um, but Gaethje has to stay on his uh, super, super, super cautious in the first round when Chandler's extremely fast and dangerous. Uh, Chandler's very predictable, I think, which on paper makes this an easy matchup, like I said. My big concern with Gaethje is where his head's at at the moment. He's, he seems to be in a like a very negative place, and maybe that's maybe he fights better that way. I'm not sure. He was very respectful with Khabib, and he showed him some respect in the, in the fight, too, it seemed like. Um, but he just seems to be in a more negative place. Some of the things he said about Chandler, about why he doesn't like Chandler, and started like a Twitter beef with Cormier, or at least try to just over the fact that Gaethje's name was mentioned um, on the last broadcast. So I would say as long as his head is on straight, as long as he fights well when he's angry or, or in a negative uh, place, I expect him to finish Chandler, who in my opinion is very good, but just not an elite mixed martial artist.
1: Yeah, I think I think we're getting a knockout in the first 90 seconds of this fight.
0: Oh, that'll be uh, th- that'll be a shame because I'd love to see a bit of a firefight, but I wouldn't complain. Too I much. just
1: I think Gagey hits too hard and Chandler's too hittable. Um, so we'll see.
0: I hear that. Yeah, very very likely.
1: Uh, I'm gonna go. What you got next? Um, I'm gonna go with the big uh, the big beast boy Chris Barnett um, to beat Gian Vellante, who I just don't think is a uh, is is really a, a UFC caliber guy anymore um and i don't think i don't think that the extra that moving up in the in the extra weight is has done him any favors either
0: yeah i i tend to think you're right barnett is extremely athletic considering he just kind of looks like a chubby guy he's really really an effective good striker and john doesn't really have the wrestling to like do much about that he doesn't really have the conditioning he's-, he's just and he's, he's just an out of shape yeah oh absolutely so he's slow motion you're absolutely right big speed advantage for chris barnett who's the actual heavyweight that's rare dude's extremely athletic for his size but yeah i like barnett here i actually think at minus 115 that's definitely worth the bet i'm gonna i'm gonna give you guys a couple of uh, other bet recommendations toward the end of this uh episode next on my list nick i'm going to take melsic baghdarian to beat Br- bruno Souza. uh suzo's like melsic is not the more technical fighter here but he has extreme power serious power and Bruno Silva can be hurt. So I'm taking Melsic to make a successful uh, second uh, UFC fight, a second knockout. But Bruno, Bruno was undefeated since his MMA debut and holds the LFA featherweight title. So he shouldn't be underestimated. He's not a bad fighter. He's just taking this on really short notice. And I'm not much of a believer in his chin.
1: I'm totally with you on that. Um, I'm going to go with... And I think these odds... Eh, I think these odds are right about where they should be. I'm going to go with uh, the re- the returning hero... Uh, Dustin Jacoby, who's had a pretty good run since he's come back, um, to take uh, to defeat John Allen. Uh, I mean, you're talking about a guy who, in his last fight, beat Darren Stewart, who's you know who's no joke. Had a draw before that with the firefighting uh, Ian Kuntalaba. Um I don't see I don't see John Allen uh, really having a, a a path to hurting. Um, my brain just blanked my path to hurting jacoby uh, so i think we're going to i think we're going to see some really some really strong boxing from dustin
0: yeah it's tricky because i first of all i think the odds uh, to have dustin jacoby at like minus 350 is crazy because we've seen that he can be taken down um, He just—he's coming off of uh, uh, Jacoby is coming off of a couple of wins, but a couple of them were pretty competitive, right? Darren Stewart, granted, he did beat him pretty quickly, but Darren Stewart, from what I understand, in in uh, England is not getting proper training. Like he doesn't have a real training camp, no training partners available. I'm not sure that coaches are available. I'm not sure that he's well conditioned. So like beating Darren Stewart is impressive, especially by knockout in the first round, any way you put it. But it does take a little bit of the uh, uh, of the uh, um, kind of it's a little bit less impressive given Stewart's current situation. And then he drew with the young. Kutay Laba in the last match before that. Had a very competitive fight with Maxim Gershom. John Allen, whether I don't know if he has to be on the juice for this, but he can get takedowns. He's a strong physical guy he might be able to get takedowns and win a decision here. I think there's some underdog value on John Allen uh, at these odds. Uh, I, I don't, I, I don't love it on the betting line, but I do agree with you. I'm, I'm going to give the edge uh, to the favorite here. I just think these odds are just astronomical. They they make literally zero sense to me. Uh, I am taking Dustin Jacoby, but I think there's some value on John Allen uh, to win a decision here. Uh, a prop bet over there, like of like 20 bucks might net you like $150, or $120 on a win. My next, um, uh, Pick is going to be in the Bobby Green Ally Quinta matchup. Interesting. I yeah. Here's the thing. I like Al a lot. Um, he's he's been a mainstay. We've had coaches in common over the years. Um, I've recently communicated with him. He seems like a really nice guy. Just as nice as he comes off. Uh, you know, uh, in, in the media. Um, he's a solid overall veteran. He's kind of a jack of all trades without expertise in any real one area green has I think the takedown defense to avoid bottom position in this matchup he has the hand technique and speed to outstrike this version of Al who's been struggling with knee injuries um and and I know that Al went out to Vegas I think it was uh r- right around the new year to spend some time at the UFC PI because I guess those guys offered to work on his knee and I hope I hope that he's healthy um I have to pick uh green in this one because of those knee issues I'm hoping Al comes in 100 or close to it and and focus because that version of al can make this a fun competitive fight that could go either way but i've got green by a competitive decision here
1: yeah i do too i think he's gonna be uh i think he's gonna be a lot faster we just al just hasn't been that active so it's hard you know he's got he had the loss to hooker and i don't remember him feeling like he seemed particularly on his game there and before that he got pieced up by cerrone um
0: he looked terrible against both those guys
1: unfortunately Yeah, he did he did and uh You know, he came so far from being the guy that got choked out by Mitch Clark and tough. And he really peaked with showing that resilience in the Kevin Lee fight, um, which is a real battle of the wills. And Al has had a stronger will. Um, Since, you know, since then, though, like, the whether he kind of wants to be in the sport, the injuries, etc. And he's running up against a guy who's never, I don't think ever been anything but a fighter, who is, I'm just... I think that probably Green's a pretty good wrestler, and I think Al's probably a stronger grappler, uh, or can at least has the power to land land more takedowns. But I'm just I'm I'm worried about uh, Green's combos. I'm worried about Green getting off three or four shots and then getting out of there before Al can touch him. Um, I think that I think Green just has a, a decide. He makes every fight close. Green's one of those guys that fights to his competition, yeah. um, but I I just think he's gonna he's gonna land. Uh, he's gonna land a lot more. If, yeah. it get, if, yeah, Allen, it if somehow Al up on top, you know, maybe maybe things get a little bit different. Um, it's hard. It's we haven't seen a lot of Al, but I had the same pick. And it's what it's yeah. just one of those things where you don't know because you haven't seen a guy in a while. So next pick, it's uh, now. There, I mean, these fights are all really interesting. I'm gonna listen with this pick. I'm gonna bet on the UFC because they, what they're doing is I call it a Joe Duffy, but it's a little bit different. Um, because of Alex Paheya's... A couple of things. His background in kickboxing, having twice defeated, once by furious knockout, uh, Israel Adesanya, but also the fact that he trains in, I believe in Danbury in Connecticut with Glover Teixeira, which means that there's no way that he's going to be a complete pushover when it comes to taking him down. And I don't believe that Andreas Micheleis' uh, offensive wrestling is like it's not he's I don't think he's the kind of guy who's going to be shooting power doubles anyway so there's a good portion of this fight's going to be spent on the feet. Apeh is 6'4", he's huge. He's he's enormous for middleweight. Um, and they want this they want this fight because of the narrative. If it, it's a potential contender when there's a scarcity of contenders for Adesanya. So I'm going to go with Apeh because the UFC's betting heavily on him and I don't think that they nobody gets a walk in the UFC? A couple people do. Mir Krokop did when he showed up initially. Um, Rampage did when he showed up initially. Um and neither and f- hilariously, neither of those guys looked fantastic. Krokop against Eddie Sanchez and um, oh my god and uh, Rampage against I believe Marvin Eastman. I could be wrong about that. You um, right. And but uh, yeah, so I'm gonna go with Paja over Micheletis via UFC math.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm there with you. There's not really much else to add except that Paheya has two wins over Israel Adesanya in Glory, and one I said of them- that.
1: How are you? How we? How are you adding that when I already said it?
0: No, fair enough. All right, you got. You, you got. You <laughs> got to cover, buddy. I actually. I actually thought you hit on all the points that I was going to make except for that one. I thought maybe you assumed that everybody knew. Uh, Nikolai no, I did mention it. Yep, we're, yeah. we're on the we're on the same page there. It, it is risky because Andreas on paper should have the skill to take him down and control him. The guy's got like twenty MMA fights, right? But I, I don't yeah. know that you can rely on him to do that. He's a bottom of the rung fighter, and the UFC set this up for a reason. So uh, I'm I'm kind of there with you. I, I'm, I'm going with the UFC's matchmaking by a slight margin, but Andreas probably has the skill to win the fight. Um, uh, probably a Pereira by left hook. Uh, Maybe a body shot. I'm going to take it for my next pick um, in the Ode Osborne, CJ Vergara matchup. I believe this is probably the first one uh, on the card. Both are contender series alumni. It Both is. have a knack for a knockout win. I like Ode Osborne to crack CJ's kind of often exposed chin early and get another first round finish. CJ actually trains under Leandro Machida and has his style, but he doesn't pull it off quite as well as Leoto did in his prime. He's pretty hittable. And against Ode Osborne's power, the fact that he has experience in the UFC, the fact that CJ Vargas took this on like a week's notice, uh, I like Ode Osborne to, uh, to look good here. First round knockout.
1: Yeah. Um, listen, this is a... This is going to be Rock'em Sock'em at 125. Neither of these guys uh, believe in striking defense. Um, so I think it's going to be fascinating. I think this is a total pick'em, but, uh, you know, put a gun to my head. I guess i pick Osborne. Um, next pick. Shit's all interesting now. I'm going to go with um, Shane Burgos over Billy Quarantillo. I like both of these guys a lot. I've got, there's questions about Quarantillo's power. But there's also questions about Burgos's durability uh, coming off of a couple of just brutal fucking fights against Josh Emmett and Edson Barbosa. Has he, has he taken enough time off? Billy Quantilla is not going to hit him as hard as those guys hit him, but Burgos gets buzzed. He's one of those guys who just gets buzzed all the time, kind of like Frankie Edgar, you know, for portions of his career. But, um, his, but he, he, he's one of those guys who was buzzed but durable. Until his his last couple of fights, but he's been against these heavy heavy hitters, and I I think that Burgos should his boxing is so Christian. Cortilla is a slow starter if I recall, um, and Burgos is not. So I I see Bur- I just see Burgos um, scoring more. I think this is possibly going to be a split decision, an exciting fight, maybe a contender for fight of the night. Um, but I'm going with I'm going with Burgos to uh, break his losing streak.
0: Yeah, um, I I ended up citing ever so slightly the other way just because like Billy showed some things in his last fight that that looked good to me for this matchup both are pressure fighters are known for starting slow but Burgos has shown that his durability can wane like you talked about late in a fight after he's taken plenty of damage but it took like an Edson Barboza Calvin Cater kind of damage to to make him crumble at the end Quarantillo hasn't been in there with guys on that level so it's tough to tell what his durability would be like in a kind of a similar circumstance Burgos is way more technical and skilled standing but he's on a two-fight losing streak in which he was knocked down twice by Emmett and TKO'd by Barboza, right? Quarantillo might have enough power in his overhand right to hurt Burgos early, Quartil is coming off a finish of uh, veteran Gabriel Benitez, where his output and damage made a late finish possible in a firefight. And given his confidence and relentlessness, I am leaning ever so slightly his way. Even if he's not able to get takedowns, he's got really, really good back takes against the cage. And Burgos, the way he gets up, the way he defends takedowns, I could see there being an opening for that. So I'm taking a right on the underdog. If I was you, I would have picked up for two points. But I understand where you're coming from. My next pick is going to be in the Nasruddin Imabov-Edmund Shabazian matchup uh Imavov has shown that like he can compete with some really really good guys and and look good skill wise like there's not a whole lot of there's not a whole lot of um missing from imalvov's game edmund should could start imalvov early like he did to several opponents early in his ufc tenure but um Nasruddin is experienced and durable he was rocked by jordan williams and phil hawes came back to arguably earn both decisions even though hawes got the nod from the judges mavov is still standing um uh, is solid standing although a little bit hittable edmund is only dangerous for about five minutes and i think a just needs to get through five minutes and then the fight is his edmund's dangerous early but guy's got no cardio doesn't really have much heart he kind of gives in as soon as the fight starts going against him so i don't like his chances in this one and i think the
1: odds uh, are, are a great opportunity on this one too Shabazzian's still young, and I think he can develop some of that stuff. I also, I believe the UFC because they see a star in him. He's been he's been all over the place at different camps.
0: Has he really? He's uh, he's left Ronda Ronda Rousey's uh, coach. No, I
1: think I think that's still I think that's still his main thing. But he's I believe he's doing a little bit of a GSP like round robin thing where he's at the he's at the performance center. He's you know, he's working with different people. And he had some really tough matchups in there. Like, Derek, I mean, Derek Brunson ma- is just a beast. Um, who was the other guy that beat him?
0: I believe it wasn't Kevin Holland. I can't remember now off the top of my head. I got to look at his record, Nikolai. And that would take hours. Hours,
1: Nick. I'll look, well, I thought maybe you knew because you're Captain Research.
0: I am Captain Research, but uh, I don't have the record in front of me.
1: I think it. All right, well, I do now. Go for it. Who is it? It, oh, it was Jack, it was Jack Hermanson, uh-huh. who's also a bi- who's who's also a big you know a big durable guy, um, yeah you know um, also I want to say I think a I don't I, against Jordan, uh, Jordan what's the, Jordan's last name again Jordan Williams. Yep. I guess you're, I thought that was a headbutt. I thought it was a, a clash of heads that rocked him, but I couldn't. I be think wrong. I think you might be right. That's um, what
0: started it, but then he was rocked later on in the fight because he was already hurt oh, by the okay. headbutt. You're right about that. The first
1: and he definitely got he definitely got rocked by 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 Phil Hawes, um, but he's a really he's a really good precision striker. I'm a little concerned about his output. He's a little, you know, he's a little bit of a perfect shot guy. He's a sniper. It's in his nickname, yeah. um, and I. This is, I mean, there's a reason why we're, this is down to the wire here, why we're picking it so late. Right. I guess I'm gonna go with Imavov also, but I, I'm really even here because I, I think this could be. Shib- I think that Shabazian's Shib- had time to figure out what was up, and I think this is a much more favorable matchup in terms of size and style uh, compared to the previous two guys who were just like big, heavy beasts who were gonna, who were, you know, who were going, who are gonna pressure you and weigh on you, right? Um, so it's, uh, but either, you know, very, very, very tight. Um, okay. That leaves me with the co-main event, yes, right? Yes, sir. Oh boy. Great fight on paper. Oh boy. This is, it's, it is a great fight and I'm a, such a believer in Rose Yunis, but like and Waylee Zhang left, has left, he, she left her camp.
0: She's, she's at fight ready now with Henry Cejudo.
1: Yes. She's with Henry Cejudo um, which is really interesting to me. She also um, shaved her so head next. she's give... basically
0: like got the rose look going well, on, got... which is fascinating.
1: And she's super strong. And what I worry about is if Rose doesn't get the reads fast enough or get like that, it could or, or even just strikes really well, that it could be an Andrade situation. Because the fact is, Rose isn't very powerful. She's got great striking and timing, but Jessica Andrade showed that you can, if you can get in there, you can drop her on her head. Like people have. Be- people have banged her up before and weili jang hits and kicks very hard um rose is such a master martial artist but is she gonna again get that get that precision strike because in those battles that go if she doesn't get the finish in her fights that go the distance they're very very close an argument could be made that joanna won that second fight very close um Jessica Andrade beat her up pretty bad in their rematch, too, even though Rose got the nod there. like She's won those wars of attrition, but Weili Zhang's strength is just intense. I'm going to... But I got I to gotta believe at the end of the day, you can hear me talking myself into it, <laughs> that elevation with, with three fighters in the top three fights on this card, that they are ready, they are confident that, tr- that Trevor Whitman's got them like locked and loaded, I just think Wei Li going to bring the is gonna bring the tornado i'm picking- I'm picking Rose to retain, but I will not at all be surprised if we, if Wei Li gets her out of there,
0: yeah, there's a reason' to pick them. It's odd that Rose is actually the underdog or at least a very very slight underdog at like plus one hundred. But I'm largely there with you. I picked Rose the first time because she's the more technical, the more precision fighter, right? The difference between the way that Rose beat um, Jan Jacek, and, and I know you say that maybe... Maybe Chick earned it. I-, I thought Rose earned that decision. Um, she was just more technical. It was, cl- I was just close. Yeah, yeah. It was, it, it, was it was competitive. I, I don't disagree. I, I but I thought it was one that like went in the right direction. Although it was competitive, um, whereas Chick just had kind of a firefight with Jie w- Li Wang in a situation where like it seemed like neither girl could stop the offense of the other. The fact that Wang um Li Wang I-, I talked last time about the fact that she's very open to the left hook and Rose has a great left hook. It turned out it wasn't the left hook that that went up and knocked her out. It was the left head kick right but it's the same exact opening if it was Wei Li Zhang's right hand being down I could see Wei Li, um this should be more of a back and forth I wouldn't be surprised if there's a finish but I wouldn't be surprised if it's a war of a decision and I, I could see Wei Li Zhang having the edge late in the fight because she showed some insane conditioning in that fight against um uh, Joanna Jinjechik. So I'm, I'm there with you. I'm gonna, going to take Rose I'm giving her the edge. I think she's going to be the more precise fighter. She's going to be the more technical fighter just about everywhere. You're right. That way. is going to have possibly a conditioning advantage, possibly a strength advantage, and she might possibly hit harder. Although we got to give Rose credit the girl has four knockdowns in the strawweight division. Well, I can't think of another fighter that can say that maybe not even, well, there's a, di- there's a difference though. Yep.
1: It's, it's like, it's like Conor McGregor before he was completely insane set. Um, Like precision beats power, timing beats speed, and like I think Rose is a master of precision and timing. Like I don't—it's not that she doesn't have power; it's that she's she's a she's a she's a martial artist. (laughs) Like she can she can make it happen. It's but Zhang and Zhang doesn't need things to be perfect to hurt you.
0: But again, Rose has knocked down multiple people. Zhang has only knocked down the one person that ran into her knee, essentially. Do you know what I'm saying? So like Rosa's snap, it? she has insane speed, um insane snap on in her punches taught by Trevor Whitman and Li Zhang at least as far as the last time I saw her, doesn't have that but the fight ready thing is a variable man. That team seems pretty legit. They're getting fighters to look a lot better than they did prior, including guys like Polo Costa. Uh now we have uh Davis and Figueiredo with that team, right? So they're taking all like all the um, all the like out of country tiny people who are at the top of their games and and bringing them in. Um, so there's something to be said about her training up fight ready in Vegas rather than being out in China, especially with everything that's going on right now with the economy and COVID. also
1: worth yeah worth saying. This is Wayly. I mean, Wayly Chang only has seven UFC fights, and like the first two, Daniel Taylor and Jessica Aguiar, like come on, okay, that's extremely you know, low level. They're, not, yeah. they're, kind of, they're Then so, she had Torres, Andrade, Gennady, and and Rose. So this is really her fifth like legit fight. So her I mean her octagon time is not that much. No. Yeah.
0: But she pr- she probably got like um, three fights worth from that Yen Jacek fight. Like three wars worth of octagon time. I, I do think like she learned a lot about her mental fortitude and what she can take and what she could produce. Oh, she's
1: through. great. I'm just saying it's amazing how how little uh, how little UFC experience she has for her for her reputation. I mean, she got the title shot mostly uh-huh.
0: because china i I think although by the way extremely talented she's eventually would have been deserving of a title shot but was she deserving of a shot uh, uh, after beating jessica aguilar and daniel taylor and then tisha torres did she actually deserve to fight on for the title no but she did she got the opportunity and she made the best of it
1: yes she completely destroyed her um yeah, I mean, exc- really, really fascinating card.
0: Yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm very jazzed for it. Very psyched for it. Um, I quickly want to mention a couple of best suggestions that I have for this matchup. I think there's some value on Kobe Covington by decision because if he's going to win this fight, it's going to be by just basically. Uh, over, over landing Kumar Usman, possibly maybe, maybe getting takedowns occasionally, although I don't think that's likely and kind of holding him against the fence. I don't necessarily think that's likely. I know Colby competed at Division One and Usman in Division Two, but Usman was a Division Two champion. Um, so I, I think Covington, by decision at plus 500, is worth a bit of a rider. You spend 20 bucks on that. You win 100 if, he were, if it works out. And if not, you could put Usman in a parlay to kind of put yourself in a, a win-win situation where you profit in either scenario. Justin Gaethje, at minus 190, I think that's a that's a straight bet worth taking. Just engage you by finish. If you get better odds, that might be uh, worth investing into because this fight is not super. Likely to go to the where decision. do
1: you see that? I see I see him at minus 220. Oh, he's minus 220 now. Minus I, the, two, the, my, no. my notes well, are I'm a little looking, bit off. Then what are you looking? What are you look What are you looking I'm, at? I'm looking at my um, notes,
0: uh, which are which are a couple days back. So that makes sense. There's a fair chance that the line has shifted. In that case, if he's more at that minus 220 line and you're, and you're not betting Gaethje by decision, then I recommend putting him in a two-fighter parlay. Uh, another recommendation I have is Ode Osborne at minus 160. I think there's value there. Uh, I, I think he's likely to win that fight, likely in the first round by knockout. I think Chris Barnett against Gian Vellante. I know both of these guys are pretty low level, but Barnett's legitimately an athlete, legitimately a big guy. He's getting a full training camp. And Gian Vellante I think, took this on relatively short notice. And it's also Gian Vellante. you could have three months to prepare, and he'll come in completely out of shape. So I think there's some value there as well. I think Billy Quarantello. there's some value on it, plus 175. I wouldn't throw you know the kitchen sink at that bet but I do think it's it's worth a little bit of an investment. Rose Yunus is worth uh, a bit of a bet at plus 100 uh, I think in a parlay situation that could uh, buoy up your parlay and give you plus money uh if you pair, up, pair her up with somebody like Justin Gaychi although I do think Gaychi is a more of a sure thing uh, than Rose Namouni. Um and outside of that Bobby Green at minus 170 or at least I that's th- what I have in my notes here. Minus 170 is a great deal, definitely worth investing into. Also John Allen I don't th- you know? I don't
1: I don't agree with that. Bobby Green? I I not I, love, I I'm picking Bobby Green to win, but we don't know what we're getting with Al. So I feel like I feel like at almost minus 200. I mean minus 178. That that's like, I don't know. I feel like Al Al's status is too much of a of a wild card.
0: Uh, that's fair, and, and, and I don't want to talk. to, Like I like Al Aquinta a lot, but if you look at his recent record, Nick, like what has he been up to? He got. I know. He, no. He's been he's been unfortunately, and I hate to
1: say this because I like but the guy so he, much. But why is he? But why is he coming back?
0: Uh, I mean, I assume the guy could use some money. He's He's got a podcast now, right? So he's doing more. I'm, I don't know if the real estate thing is really paying all of the bills, but he lost to Dan Hooker and Donald Cerrone. Nick, the 2019 version of Donald Cerrone dominated him, and Dan Hooker dominated him. And we've seen Dan Hooker looking very mm-hmm. human since then. So he's not at that level. And Bobby Green is the kind of guy that can go to a close decision with anybody at the highest level, right? Granted, th- yeah. this is likely going to be a close decision as well, but I, I do think there's value on that, and, and and I'm curious to see how the matchup works out. I'm not saying it won't be competitive, but I think a minus 170 for a guy who's returning after yeah. a pretty serious knee injury, long layoff, and a couple of bad losses where he got dominated by guys that are not at their best. Um, I, I think there's, I really do think there's value there. But you know what? You might just be right, and that's why we're going to record another episode of this podcast, Nikolai. This time next week. What do you think?
1: I um, I think that all sounds really exciting. I. Um, I'm sorry, I
0: forgot to mention one bet That I'm a big believer in Nasruddin and Mavlav At minus 130 I think that's a fantastic deal Against Edmund Who only has about five minutes Of a strong fight in him The fact that Edmund is at the UFC PI Might mean he's actually conditioned this time But I think it's more of a mental thing I think it's more of an energy expenditure thing I think he just wastes too much energy When he's in competition And he can't really help it I'm sure he trains many rounds straight And looks pretty good in the gym It's just not the same under the bright lights Especially coming off of a couple of Really bad losses That honestly could traumatize some folks
1: yeah, I mean the only other bet I'd say in there I I was surprised that you I mean you don't have the faith in him that I do. I think Frankie at plus one fifty is a bet is a bet worth taking. I just think he can still he can still wrestle and I don't think Vera's got terrific T D.
0: Yeah, there's a there's a there's a chance that Frankie could pull this off. I just it's hard to believe in Frankie given the situation he's in. To me, it's a pick'em fight, so that makes that makes it so that there's a little bit of value on Frankie. But I'm taking a couple yeah, of riders, and am recommending a couple of the... risky bets. So that one just seems like a little yeah. more risk than I than yeah, I'd okay. Like to
1: take. I just look at he's only he's still only lost to the elite true. or guys in guys much bigger than him. That's true. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Um, yeah, there's
0: a fair chance Frankie Edgar wins it. this fight. My first thought was that he might win this fight, it's just the fact that he's forty years old. The fact that you know he's he's coming off a couple of losses, not doing a whole lot of damage, like his style is not. I, I don't think it's going to mean quite the same in 2021 he's coming he off one he's
1: coming off one loss as, as we know he defeated Pedro Munoz <laughs> yeah although you and I both thought I think that I know, Pedro know, was know, that decision
0: uh, so, so it was a tricky probably. one probably uh, as far as I can tell he hasn't won a fight in a little while um especially against like in their prime high level competition so but again this could very well be just a firefight for three rounds and I hope it is I hope Frankie you know I like the guy a lot I, I don't want I, I don't want um him to to lose either Although Vera has, on paper, the higher upside in the long term. So I think it would be better for the sport if Vera won. Nikolai, that is it for this one, man. We got a couple of fantastic cards. And then we have, I assume, next week we're going to have, like, I don't know, a main event between random Russian fighter who once met Khabib and calls him a brother. And, and I don't know, who's, who's like a journeyman that the UFC loves that, that they never get rid of. Um, next we've got Max Holloway, Yara Rodriguez. damn, that's a good main event, Nick. I am psyched about that.
1: Yeah, it is. That the is the rest of the card, not so much. Yeah, you're, you're not um, kidding.
0: Yeah, that's about it. It's it's really um, Andrea Lee versus Cynthia Cavillo is a decent fight. I would say Carl dacus Roman Dolides is not a bad fight. Outside of Thiago
1: Moises Joel Alvarez is oh, okay. Oh yeah. Um, here. Yeah, that's this a good one. Point. And I mean, okay, the two uh, down. To the, actually, the bottom of the card is more interesting. Marco Diakiesi comes back uh, since he hasn't been seen since he got outclassed by Fiziev. He's fighting Rafael Alves. We've got oh wait Miguel, Miguel Baeza Baeza. Chaos against, Williams. against Chaos Williams. Yes. That's really interesting. And for definitely not going to be boring is Kennedy and Zuchuku uh, yep. against Daun Jung. That's though it's it's just one of those interesting things where the bottom of the the bottom of the card is way more interesting than. Say Philip Lins against or Ben Roethel against Mark against Marcos Rosario. I just Zalima. I
0: just spotted Yudong Song against Julio Arce. Also at the bottom of that card, Nick. Like the first, yeah. the first five yeah. or six fights of this card are fantastic. Then you can. Maybe skip one or two, uh, and, and get into it again with guys like Roman De Leeds and Kyle Dawkins, Cynthia Cavir, Andre Lee, uh, the main event. But that's I would gonna be there's a six or seven fights on here that are pretty solid. I'm not complaining honestly, man, it's not bad uh, after a couple of star studded cards that that are full of excitement, which I yeah. assume next week is gonna be as well. Not bad.
1: I look I hope Max just ends the I'm sick of Yaya Rodriguez. Even though he doesn't fight, I'm sick of him. I just want like yeah let's just get him let's just get him out of there. i wouldn't be shocked um, if
0: the ufc cut him after this just because i think the ufc doesn't like him i think they they're assuming that he's pulling out of fights that he doesn't like for for his style so i, I wouldn't be shocked man i mean can you after, imagine that uh, his loss to frankie edgar that was just like he just got beaten was just three fights ago two wins ago nick it was in 2017 yeah. he's barely competed since then it's kind of crazy
1: and then he was lo- and he was losing the zombie fight until he was w- until he won it. That's right. You're um, you're right.
0: He was losing on points until literally the very last moment of that fight, which was pretty incredible in many the, ways.
1: The next card has some fun stuff on it too. We got Caitlin Vieira, Misha Tate, Michael Chiesa, Sean Brady. That's a very interesting one. Yeah, that's a good one. Calderwood, Talia Santos. That's a fight that matters. Uh, I like that. Augusto Sakai, Taita Yusa. It's good stuff. Um, and we got Ronnie Yaya on there just in case people for the WEC fans in the crowd. Honey, Honey
0: Yaya still <laughs> see Honey Yaya is the kind of guy that I should I should Yaya. have mentioned when I was trying to make fun of a ridiculous UFC main event that nobody cares about. That would have been more. It. But let's face it, me should Tate, Caitlin Vera is not exactly not exactly a, a worthy main event in today. I was day and age.
1: there. I I was there in 2009 when Honey Yaya choked out. Eddie Weinland at WEC 40.
0: Oh, very cool. You
1: Tor- Tor- Torres versus Mizugaki.
0: Nick, I actually think it's so cool that you attended a WEC event in person. That is badass. I
1: was. I'm not. I wasn't. I wasn't there.
0: Oh, you. You weren't there. For- <laughs> That's funny. You weren't there. No. For some- oh, for the record, that
1: had, Va- had Vagner Fabiano against Fres. Us- <laughs> Man, some <laughs> the of these names, dad. Nick, I,
0: I went through oh topology yesterday, Nick, for a little bit as part of my tail end of preparation. And I just started clicking. Asuncao
1: was on that card.
0: Um, th- That was a very young Joe
1: jo- J- jo- Jitsu against Jeff Curran on that card. Nick, just
0: real quick, we have Luma Bume against Cheyenne Baez, which I think is a great fight two weeks from now. Uh, Nathan Levy is uh, finally hopefully going to make his UFC debut against Hafa Garcia, which is a great fight. Um, and then we have Augusto Sakai two Iwasa. So I would, I would say there's four or five fights on that card two weeks from now that are definitely worth kind of diving into. About seven fights next week. So honestly, the UFC is doing better than they did. There, there was a little while there where there were a bunch of no-names that had no business being on a card. Um, but, you know, the, the tape VR card isn't... The, ma-
1: the the matchmaking's a little bit better lately. So,
0: uh, yeah, I, I, I agree. I, uh, they, it seems like they used to just save everything for the pay-per-views and just put on shit cards outside of that for a little while, there, a couple months. So it, it, hopefully, hopefully it'll be less of that and more of these couple of weeks that we're getting here. Take another good one in the bus. Yeah. Looking forward to discussing all of this. Wait, wait,
1: one last, one last thing to say. I know I'm just so excited about the, uh, the next part after that. The first.